Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. In a sudden flash, it all comes clear. It's a eureka moment, an epiphany. Hi, I'm Marcus Smith, host of the Constant Wonder podcast. The world offers marvel, meaning, and mystery around every single corner. In nature, art, science, culture, history, we talk everything from bees and beetles to obelisks and asteroids. Experience the thrill of transformative encounter. We'll bring more wonder to your day. Listen to Constant Wonder wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to a weekend edition of History Hack. Alina, who do we have with us today? Today we've got Kate Williams, who's a professor in public engagement with history at the University of Reading. She's also a published author with more than half a dozen books, like Rival Queens, The Betrayal of Mary, Queen of Scots, and The Pleasures of Men. You can also find her on the TV, on BBC, Channel 4, among so many others. We are very excited to get talking today about Mary, Queen of Scots. So welcome, Kate. Hello, hello. Thrilled to be here. Um, yeah, we we were just talking, weren't we, well, about the not-so-pleasurable men opening their mouth and flapping them around before we came on air. But uh, let's. this is three women historians talking about a woman. So let's just ignore all the nastiness and all of the misogyny and talk about Mary, Queen of Scots. Um, can we just start? Because people know, obviously, it's her and it's Elizabeth, and they face off against each other in the film might be some people's only uh, obviously they never met in real life we can get to that later but that's the only thing people might know of them is that they're from the same time how does she fit in dynastically is she actually related to the Tudors um, or is it just distant royal families yes sure exactly right Alex and this Mary Queen of Scots was so closely related to Elizabeth it was both her great strength and also her great weakness because Elizabeth and Mary Queen of Scots were cousins and they'll actually call each other sisters in their letters and they're cousins because Elizabeth's father Henry VIII his sister is Mary Queen of Scots's grandmother so it's a it's a slightly you know distant cousin but but to them it was a cousin and the thing is that when Elizabeth comes to the throne because of course we know that by the time of Elizabeth most of the other heirs have been uh, will have died when Elizabeth comes to the throne the closest blood relative to Elizabeth's throne is Mary Queen of Scots and that is of course why when Elizabeth dies it's Mary Queen of Scots's son James who becomes king James of Scotland becomes king of England as well but so for Mary Queen of Scots that's an incredible power her being the direct heir to England to, to, to the English throne uh, in blood is a very great power and it gets her respect but it also makes her dangerous because as it becomes increasingly clear to the men around Elizabeth that Elizabeth is not going to get married and she's not going to have children, that who's going to be next? It's Mary, Queen of Scots, and she is a Catholic. And although she's in, had in religious toleration in Scotland, what's going to happen if she comes to England? And also the fact is that many of the men around Elizabeth had made Mary, Queen of Scots's life a misery. So mm. they're pretty terrified about her coming possibly to be the queen. So Mary's 
position as Elizabeth's cousin, as her direct heir, is both this, you know, it's, it's a great thing for her, and but it's not. And so that's, that's really why Mary is so desperate to meet Elizabeth. I, I see it as the greatest unrequited love story in history. Mary is desperate to meet Elizabeth. And for a meeting, which you were just saying, Alex, in the film, you know, we don't, they never had a meeting in real life and it's all that Mary wants because she thinks it can really solve her problems that people will see her as they will, she will get more respect in Scotland and more respect internationally and she will get friendly with her closest, the closest country, the closest ally, but it never happens. And, and that I think is, is Mary's great heartbreak. They, only at the end in West, only in Westminster Abbey, that's the closest they ever got. Let's go back a little bit. Let's talk about Mary's early life. So first of all, when was she born? And something happened to her at a few days old, didn't it? Well, Mary was born in 1542 in, um, in Fogney Castle. And when her, her father, I mean, let's face it, you know, the Tudors is not a time when they burst into song at the door, you know, the birth of a daughter. It's not one of those, <laughs> oh, just want a healthy baby. Don't mind the sex, you know, the we have today that's not not the military the thing so a lot of fathers you find are pretty unhappy about having a daughter but uh, mary's father was right at the top because six days after mary six days after mary was born he died of uh, a deep depression he was already in quite a bad way mm. because he'd been so roundly beaten by the english but the news that he had a daughter was it pushed him over the edge that was the end of it he said you know, my, my dynasty began with a woman and will end with a woman. He just thought that was the end of it. He just thought, okay, Henry VIII, he's just going to invade nonstop now. I've got this weak, weedy female baby heir, and, and he died. So Mary becomes queen at uh, six days old. And, you know, infant queens are not a good thing. No, it's pretty defeatist on his part, I have to say, deciding to pop his clogs like that. But no, yeah. it just invites... Everybody invites regencies and invasions and everyone else clambering to get on top, doesn't it? Exactly. Everyone wants to be regent. And in that time of low life expectancy, the, the likelihood of a baby surviving was so very low, necessarily. You know, after the age of five, then you could sort of say, OK, I reckon they'll be here for a while. But you couldn't say anything until five. So this child could die. There are regencies. They're seen as weak. She's also female. It's just a disaster. Yeah, he, I mean, it is a bit of an abrogation of responsibility. I mean, maybe, I don't know, I don't think about you know, Cameron resigning the day after the Brexit referendum. Yeah, yeah. it was kind of, oh, bugger this, I'm off. <laughs> exactly. Okay, whoops, well, I'm going to go now. Yeah, um, someone else can deal with this shit, basically. Yeah, yeah so poor old, um, poor, poor, so basically, James dies, and he expects that Henry VIII will just overturn, overtake the country. But curiously, he doesn't because Henry thinks, oh, a girl. I could marry this girl to my son, to Prince Edward, future Edward VI. I could marry her and basically get Scotland, get it, get, get it as territory through marriage. So there's actually less invasion. So, so actually, you know, James might have stayed alive and, and sort of talked about marriage alliances. Mm. But, but, uh, but very soon it's pretty clear that Scotland doesn't want to marry Mopin of Scots to, 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 to Henry and send her off to England. So the wars, it, 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 almost the beginning of her life, her mother, uh, Mary of Guise, who comes from this very powerful French family, who are basically 
uh, I mean, they're basically like the Kardashians of the 16th century, if the Kardashians mm. were bent on political power, because who knows, maybe they are, I don't know. And, you know, she is supposed to be the one now trying to govern for Mary, but, you know, the, the, the position that she's in is, is really important. I should say, I should say, um, before I go too far, that basically everyone in the entire story is called Mary and James. Everyone. Like, the yep. whole... <laughs> it gets she's slightly like, confusing. She's like Mary 1, Mary 2, Mary 3. <laughs> yeah, like Mary, Mary A and Mary, or, you know, when you're in class and there are two, two girls of the same name, there's, there was loads of Catherines and Kates when I was at school. So they were always like, I was, I've, I've never been actually my name because it also means the women of the same name. So, so yes, but I think they kind of dug it, you know, because there's mm-hmm. Jane, Mary's parents are called James and Mary and Mary, of course, has a son called James and Mary also, little Mary, our Queen of Scots, has four ladies in waiting and they are all called Mary. Mary oh yeah, the four Marys. Four Marys. So basically everyone's called Mary and Mary's half-brother, the son of her father by a mistress, who causes all of her problems is called James. So I, I'm just saying to all the listeners, just that if you think, who, who is Kate talking about again? I'm slightly lost. Just, it'll be someone called Mary or James. That's just the, just, just go with it. Yeah, it's like an uber Catholic thing, isn't it? In the middle of the Reformation. If we name all the girls Mary, yeah. we'll really drive it home that we're not into this Protestant stuff. <laughs> and I think, I think added, added to it is the fact that it wants to copy, copy the king and the queen. So yeah. it's, like, it's like, how many James... I mean, it could be worse, of course. I mean, we, this could be in, in, in the most confusing ever if it was a case of if Mary the First had stayed alive for longer and we'd have Mary the First versus Mary Queen of Scots. I mean, we would just be we'd just be lost, wouldn't we? But luckily, luckily, it's a bit clearer with an Elizabeth. Yeah, <laughs> it could be Mary South and Mary North. Yeah. We're starting to sound like Kardashians again now, aren't they? Um, right. <laughs> it's true. There are a lot of K's in that family, aren't there? Lots of K's. Mm, so. Uh, Dave, as you said, Scotland has never got any intention of letting her get too close to the English. So they do completely the opposite, don't they? How does she come to spend her childhood in France? Well, Mary is sent off to France, age five, accompanied by the four ladies-in-waiting, Mary, 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 Mary. We'll be discussing <laughs> them. Uh, they go everywhere. And the, basically, <laughs> Mary's mother, Mary, Mary of Guise, the mother, she is... What you have in England and Scotland are two quite different situations. So we often, people often compare the queenship of Elizabeth with Mary, which was something I felt very concerned to look at in the book, because everyone says, well, look, Elizabeth does it well. Why can't Mary? And there are two very different situations. And a key difference is that in Scotland, the aristocrats, the aristocratic men, the big families, they have so much more power. Henry VIII pretty much squashed them here but they have so much more power and they pretty much have been used to doing what they want. And so basically they, they cause all the problems for anyone governing and a, and a female regent and a female, a female baby queen, they're just going to come for them. And that is one big problem of security. So throughout Mary's reign, you know, she's constantly threatened by her aristocrats about kidnapping her, about seizing her, about even sexually assaulting her. And even, you know, even Elizabeth's aristocrats who find her the most annoying, the thought of kidnapping, you know, there'd, there'd be no way they'd be kidnapping the Queen and constantly plotting to do it the whole time because it's just two different situations in terms of relationships with the, with the, with the aristocracy. But yeah, so Mary, Mary, Mary of Guise, the aristocrats are rising against her and Henry VIII is threatening her. So she thinks the only way that she can protect herself and her daughter is to go for help to France. 
And the French king said, yeah, I'll send some ships. I'll send some ships to Scotland. But in, I don't, I'm not doing this for free. In response, in reward, I want little Mary, Queen of Scots, sent to me to marry my son, the future king of France. And this, you know, my book, it, it, the subtitle was The Betrayal of Mary, Queen of Scots. And there are many betrayals. She's got, you know, the worst husbands in royal history. I mean, that's a, that's a tough competition. There are bad husbands out there. She's got the worst. But is Mary's first betrayal what happens to her, what, what her mother does sending her abroad? Because yes, it keeps her safe. Yes, she's perfectly safe in the French court, but she's not a princess like Catherine of Aragon sent to abroad as a marriage pawn. She's a queen. So she's taken out of where she should be. And unlike Elizabeth, who does have the worst childhood in, in history, you know, her father chops off her mother's head, chops off her stepmother's head, nearly chops off the other stepmother's head, the uh, Catherine Parr, she then lives mm. with her and Catherine Parr's husband grooms her. Not to mention the whole like disinheriting, reinheriting, disinheriting. Yeah, and the head's chopped, and her head's nearly chopped off by her sister. Yeah, not having any clothes at one point. Not any clothes, yeah, that's it. Not, it's, 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 not, it's not a great childhood, is it? It's not, not a time of happy memories. But through all that, especially in the later part, because she's in England, she's seen as the English queen, and she can build a, a collection of devoted uh, advisors around her, like Cecil, who will never leave her. He's so devoted. And Mary doesn't have that. So it's an interesting question. Was, no matter how dangerous and how problematic and how threatening she was, should she have been kept in France, kept in, in Scotland, sorry, and mm. not forged age five? So it's, it's, it's an odd one, isn't it? It sending is a, her away you know it's a very because you know, that's what you do to a princess you know that's what you did to Catherine of Aragon bung her aboard she'll never come home but should a queen that's a very complicated question it shows how much power the French king had that he could say I want a queen for my I want a queen for my future for my, for my, for my prince and he got one mm. so he really he really what he wanted of course is for his son to be king of France and his son also to be king of Scotland because we, a king, a queen's husband, that, that, that was the idea, wasn't it? That you mm. could let the queen be king. It wouldn't happen now that I can't see, you know, King Philip is not going to go down very well. But at the time, women's inferiority was seen as so great that you've got to make their husband into a king. And so he'd be king of Scotland, he'd be king of France. And what the French king wants is really to make this sandwich, squash Henry VIII in the middle and take over England as well. That's what he wants. So Mary is sent off for this luxurious life. I mean, it's a game of thrones of political intrigue and gossip but it is safe and she's married to the French king French prince and then he dies they become king and queen and then he dies age eight when she's 18 and she comes back to Scotland her half-brother the bad half-brother James mm. tries to get to come back to Scotland because he thinks that her mother's already dead he thinks James thinks that if he uses Mary as his puppet his puppet queen he can govern through her and he can pretty much control all those dreadful aristocrats, but like he can't be king because he's not, he's not the legitimate son of the king. So he thinks he's going to use her as a puppet and she wants to rule for herself like Elizabeth and that doesn't make him very happy. And so it's almost doomed from the beginning when Mary arrives back in Edinburgh to, be, to, to, to take up her role as Queen of Scotland in, in Holyrood Palace. She's got loads of stuff. She brings the best stuff with her, loads of boats full of tapestries and clothes and French stuff, all the nicest French stuff you can imagine. But, and she's got the Marys, the four Marys, but that's not any insurance or any 
anything at all against all the men who are trying to seize her power. So let's move on because we've had we've had husband number one is now dead. Yeah, he's dead. He's dead. So yeah, he's gone. He's like a bit part. He's the Sean Bean of this story. <laughs> two, no two, offense, two, Sean. Wasn't it like two years they were married for? Yeah, she married. They're married. She married him uh, when she was fifteen, and he was. Then they became king and queen, and then he died when she was eighteen. So it was a it was a Hollywood kind of marriage, very short. So then at this point, she's back in Scotland, and she tries to find another husband. At this point, doesn't she? Yes. So she's desperately writing to Elizabeth, saying, "Please meet up." And uh, I mean, sometimes I think, you know, like, sometimes I think maybe they should have just got married. Maybe they should just got married, Elizabeth and Mary, and like all the problems will be solved. But oh, it'll be like Elena and I have decided our retirement is just going to be sitting. We're going to buy a house and sit on a porch and yell at people. Yeah, I mean, just be I like the old spinsters <laughs> in the Waltons. Where, so, going to be in France or something, or, or where do you? Or, yeah, possibly uh, just uh, wherever uh, there's a porch and sun. But we yeah. thought we'd be like those sisters in the Waltons and just be like completely off our nuts on moonshine and yell at people. <laughs> Maybe we're super soakers. So possibly Elizabeth and Mary should have gone. I mean, they can afford one hell of a balcony to do that off of. Yeah, I think I think Mary, Mary and Elizabeth could have got married and somehow managed to have a baby through a warming pan snipping or something. They could have, yeah. stuffed, they could have stuffed, a, stuffed their dress, pretending one was magically pregnant by, by the Holy Ghost. And, it uh, basically and, worked for Margaret of Anjou with Henry VI, didn't uh, it? Possibly, they, you know, they said it worked. They said it worked with James II. You know, all these fake bumps. So yeah. maybe that that that, but it was never going to happen. So Mary's desperate to meet Elizabeth, and because of course these things take planning. You can't have a meeting that's just two queens meeting up to chat on a on, you know. Sort of, oh, can you imagine but, if one travelled one mile further than yeah. the other to get to the midpoint? And <laughs> yeah, I've seen <laughs> royal planning documents at Windsor Castle, and you do not want to get into yeah. this. You've got it. So the planning would have taken years. In fact, you know, I nearly made a really big mistake in my book. I, I said two queens can't meet up to drink tea together. And then I was like, oh, quite near, quite near it going to press. I was like, oh, yeah, there's no tea in the 16th century. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's no gin either, is there? What, what was the point? What was no. The point? And it was, and, yeah, and Paul was dying. Didn't uh, Elizabeth it, just drank, like, rock-hard beer, didn't she? Like... But, the equivalent of the hardcore Belgian stuff now. Elizabeth was rock hard. I just don't know what, if they'd have ever met, they don't think they'd been drinking the same stuff. Yeah. Oh, they could have just had a fight, a physical fight, you know, like in the ancient times where they used to just the two best warriors. Oh, like gladiators. Just, yeah. yeah, like like gladiator pugil stick style. That would have worked. Well, like WWE, I've seen that, you know, where the two... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what would their entry music be, though? I think I've got a better one, guys. Wait, what about what? mud wrestling? Oh, the blokes are all getting excited now. In roughs. Yeah, in roughs. <laughs> <laughs> so poor Mary keeps beating her head off this brick wall, doesn't she? We're trying to get a meeting. And it, it just says some sense in it, isn't there? Maybe they actually would have really got on if it hadn't been for everybody in their ear and they'd actually known each other properly. I think, I, I think it's, there's a really fascinating division between the men around Elizabeth are terrified of Mary. They think she's public enemy number one, of course, because if Elizabeth dies and Mary comes in, then, you know, there's going to be a bit of a sweeping out of that lot. Let's put it that way. And they're terrified of her. They think she's public enemy number one. And Elizabeth is much more personally sympathetic. She sees Mary as her relation. I mean, she doesn't really have many after her father chopped off so many heads. She sees Mary as a relation, as a fellow queen, 
Both of them are attacked by John Knox. I mean, she she knows what it's like to be surrounded by men who are constantly trying to seize your power. No, Elizabeth, no one would try and kidnap her, but they did try and undermine her in other ways, not invited to meetings, do things behind her back, call her, you know, use this of sexist language against her, saying she was vacillating or indecisive, language that has often come down to modern, to modern perceptions of her. So I think they had a lot, they, if they met up, I think they would have been a real kind of interest there, but it just was never going to happen because for, for Mary, Elizabeth is her number one priority. But for Elizabeth, she has so many others and she's much, her ministers and she are much more concerned with France, with Spain, but you know, Scott. So you get Mary kind of like this poor, you know, the end, she's kind of like this poor little person pulling at Elizabeth's skirt saying, please. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but, but they still have this nice relationship in, in, in letters. And so Mary writes to Elizabeth and says, I need to get a husband because she wants to have a baby and she thinks if she has a husband, maybe these crazy aristocrats led by her half-brother will stop trying to undermine her. She says, dear Elizabeth, I need a husband. Who would you recommend in a friendly sort of way? And Elizabeth thinks and then she says, I know, I've got the man. I've got the man for you, Mary. It is, it is Robert Dudley. He's your guy. Robert Dudley, who Elizabeth makes Earl of Leicester, is, it, Elizabeth says, he's your man. Perfect husband. Right, so tell us why Dudley is a good suggestion, if you're Elizabeth. Well, for Elizabeth, it's great because, but it's not so good for Mary, because he's got some downsides on the 16th century Tinder. Number one, he's a commoner. Mm. Uh, and number two, he's a traitor. He's, he's a traitor's son. His father was lost his lands for, for being a traitor. So those are a bit kind of downside when you're a queen. You swipe no, don't you? Swipe no. And then the other thing is that, unfortunately, he he is Elizabeth's lover. The entirety of Europe says he's either, at best, Elizabeth's ex, at worst, Elizabeth's current lover. So that's... Ooh, that's creepy. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it wasn't really a poly setup. You know, it, that's not what they wanted. And then the, 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 the fourth problem on the Tinder is that he is seen as suspicious because of the very suspicious death of his wife. So she was found, <laughs> yeah, she's bad. Oh yeah. my God. I mean, you know, you know, I mean, I know there are a lot of frogs out there for us girls, but uh, this could be quite, this is a few Surely downsides. we can find someone that didn't potentially murder the last woman. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I, Amy Robsart's wife was found at the bottom of some stairs after dismissing her servants. I don't think he was involved. I think other people actually killed her to make it look as if he was involved. But whatever, it was still a bit of a taint. And I think Mary was so insulted that Elizabeth would suggest a commoner, ex-lover, all the rest of it as her marvellous husband, that she rather flew into a bit of a, well, I'll show you kind of kind of thing, and decided she was going to marry uh, Lord Darnley. And Lord Darnley was a husband who, who would not suit Elizabeth. Because, oh, I forgot the other problem with Dudley was that Elizabeth said that if Mary married him, Mary would have to go and live with Elizabeth in the English court. And can you imagine that, living with your husband and the woman that actually he preferred? Uh, and you'd never see your husband because he'd always be off, oh, I'm just going to you know, take Elizabeth, a oh, bit of riding, bye! Oh, yeah, exactly. It would be like, yeah. yuck. Yeah, we can do better, can't we, girls? We can do better than... Yeah. You, Even though you... he was really handsome and looked great in a rough, um, no. and so no. the Mary and also it means leaving your own country which you rule which not, okay it rains a lot but it's yeah. yours and, and what's going to happen when you leave your half 
bad half brother and all his chums are just going to overrun like uh like like or, or like like when i'm like when, like when they go bonkers in wind of the willows or those mm. um so uh so i mean i i could wonder whether actually he might not have been the worst husband for her to have she could have just gone down to england got pregnant by him and then gone back to to scotland and and had the baby had the, hopefully had a baby boy and they might have left her alone possibly but just wave from across the border going just yeah. don't mess with me now yes yeah yeah it was lovely knowing you but mm. uh, they, they also her lords would never have accepted him but they would never accept anyone so she finally decided to marry this guy henry lord darnley who was pushing himself towards her who elizabeth wouldn't want her to marry because he has a claim to the english throne and that makes mary's claim stronger and would make the claim of their child stronger and elizabeth does see it as a hostile act marrying henry lord darnley and lord darnley He's just brilliant at saying to Mary, oh, oh, it's you I love, not the power. It's you. I, I love you as a person. I don't want to be king. I just want to be with you. I didn't even know you were queen until after we'd met. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> queen? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So they marry and, and it's very quickly he starts a paragraph. He says he wants to be king. He... And when he's not king, and he also really gets, has very difficult relationships with all these very powerful male aristocrats. He tells all the Protestants he might get their land back, which, you know, he says, oh, I might have your land back. You know, like all that monastic land you have, I, think I might have it back. So it's, 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 it's doomed. And, for, and then he gets caught up with this plot that all the aristocrats have when Mary falls pregnant of really dis- depriving her of the throne. And Mary's having dinner on a Saturday night and all these aristocrats, plus her husband, burst in and sees her secretary, David Rizzio, her Italian secretary, stab him in front of her and throw him down the stairs. And then they take her, take her hostage. She's six months pregnant. They take her hostage. Uh, it's uh, not the Saturday night really you want in, in life. I just, I'm going to say it again and people are going to be like, what has she got on such an issue? But it sounds like Croydon on a Saturday night to me. It's Croydon. Um, well, who, well, isn't it this weekend that the pubs are opening? Yeah, can you imagine? This is going to be like a Weatherspoons this weekend, isn't it? But, uh, well, no, you know, the thing is that Darnley loved going to the pub and it sounds like the pubs in Edinburgh were really much more fun. In London... To me, the, the 16th century pubs didn't sound that much fun. They were basically either for spying or for, or for sort of actors to chat. Whereas in Edinburgh, they sound really fun. And yeah. he was always in the pub. So he had he stayed in the pub. But instead he decided to come and murder uh, his wife's secretary along with all his chums. They took Mary prisoner, but, she, but then Darnley realised they were going to double-cross him. So he came back to Mary and he said, Let's, I'll help you escape. And... And after that, you do see a kind of uneasy peace. But all the aristocrats are saying, get rid of him, divorce him, divorce him. I mean, you're, 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 you're distantly related, so divorce him. But of course, if you divorce someone, I mean, if Mary had said that they were distantly related, so she should divorce him, that would really invalidate every royal marriage in the whole in the entirety of Europe and the world. Yeah, I mean, you can try and use Henry VIII's stick, but um, yeah. there's a reason it got him into a lot of grief, wasn't it? Exactly. Um, so, and there's a, there's a, it's problematic, but it's, it's settled as a relationship. And then on the 10th of February, 1567, um, after, oh, Mary has the child, the, her baby, little boy called uh, James. Who's Funny that. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, it's really hard to pick a name for a child, isn't it? It's something yeah. that's large, you know, what am I going to call my child? And 
stays in their whole life. If you're a Scottish monarchy, it's much easier. Yeah. And, uh, she was, she was, I forgot to say, but she's actually the first um, female heir to the throne since the uh, Maid of Norway way, way back. And the poor old Maid of Norway, after everyone died, after the king died, all his kids died, there was one heir left and she was in the Norwegian court and she was only nine and she set off back to to Scotland to take the to take the throne, and she died of seasickness in Orkney. So that was the last. Um, Ouch. And and then I think Mary Mary is pretty much the last one to be called James since the 14th century. So there are a lot of Jameses out there, and her son is also called James. Uh, and it's wonderful to have a son. Scotland's thrilled, but you really see how, you know, you really see Elizabeth's dilemma, and you see the problems of a queen. A king has a son. It's wonderful. Oh, brilliant! What a great king you are. God has blessed you. A queen has a son, and even though you can be, you know, you've been on the throne, you're a mature woman, you still can be deposed for a child who can't even sit up or, you know, can't even eat and has no teeth because a boy is automatically superior to you. So you, Mary's, Mary's successful, successful production of an heir is both, is this wonderful moment for her, but also the beginning of the end, because now all the aristocrats who hate her know and want to depose her for to be the regent of this child because it, it's her it's he's this little boy seals her doom um so the baby is 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 born gets on very well and then there's this huge explosion on the 10th of february 1567 then darnley is staying in a house just outside edinburgh walls and it blows up there's this massive explosion and darnley is found with his valet in a nearby orchard and it, it, so he gets blue. It's bizarre. It's, and there's this amazing map in the National Archives that the English spies drew. And it's really cluedo. So you've got the blown up house, and then you've got this orchard, and Darnley and the ballet are in the orchard, smothered. And it gets really cluedo because beside them is a rope, a knife, a chair, and two dressing gowns. Okay, so I'm trying to assess what's been going on there. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
then. What I mean, I know that sometimes when you panic, you seize anything you can. But why? Why seize? What What seems to be the case is that Darnley, with, with his servant, was in the house, and they heard the the, the, the the people coming towards them to kill them and then blow up the house. So they got out of the window using the chair and the rope, took a dagger, took some dressing gowns because they were both in their nightshirts, but they were found and overcome and smothered in the orchard and it seems you know it's a huge explosion and the crime was at once the most bungled crime you can imagine and the best crime because it was completely bungled because it was they were supposed to just blow at the place and darling was supposed to die not get out of the window they weren't supposed to make so much noise on the way to the house that they woke up darling and his servant i mean that's surely that surely i mean if you're should have been a blow for house, you should do it quietly. And and then, then Darnley has to be smothered. So then everyone realizes it can't just be, you know, faulty Tudor fire. It's 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 a it's it's death, it's murder. Mm. So and also because they all go but then they realise that when they realise Darnley isn't in the house, they go they go running around trying to find him. So all the people who live nearby have these very respectable ladies who live nearby saying, what? Like, why are all these men running past my house? And one of them says, you're up to no good, aren't you? I can tell. And they all, and, and so on one hand, that's a disaster. But on the other hand, there were so many of them in this, this group crime in the same way that they were all involved in the killing of Rizzio, the stabbing. There's so many of them involved that that makes it the perfect crime. If all the aristocrats are involved in this crime, who are you going to prosecute? You know, where's your one man? So yeah. Mary is in shock. She doesn't know. Uh, she's overwhelmed with shock. Darn is dead. And everyone wants her to find the culprit. But when it's been this big group, uh, set, really, all the aristocrats are involved. And what, what's she going to do? So she becomes incredibly unpopular. Elizabeth writes to her saying, you need to sort this out. And what she probably should have done is put a few servants on a show trial as as in a very cruel way. In fact, that's what that's what does happen further down the line. When you just do an ambling thing. Yeah, oh, it was them. It was them. They put some much later. They put some servants on trial, and the servants actually pretty much go to the block shouting, "It wasn't me. It was you." Pop yeah, <laughs> you know, their heads off. You know, they're only, you know they're, they're these expendable, aren't they? The servants in a show trial. They're just and small people. Finally, they do have a show trial with uh, James Bothwell. Another James, yeah, James Bothwell, a baddie who'd been kind to Mary in the past. And they have a show trial. He's found not guilty. But, but you know, it, it's a, it kind of, a show trial doesn't will settle down to a, to a degree. But then, you know, Mary is single and she's a single queen. And so for every man in Scotland, she is an invitation because they want power. And no one yeah. wants her because they love her. They want power. So she is on one occasion coming back from seeing her son, who's in the country nursery, as royal children were, to try and keep them from the dreadful air of Edinburgh. Mm. And, and on the way back, uh, Bothwell comes to her and he says, there's writing in Edinburgh, come back to my castle. And as she does with her men, he's got lots more men than she has. And in the castle, he, he slams the door and he, he assaults her. And he assaults her simply to force her to marry him because she wouldn't have done otherwise because he wants to be king. And, oh, yuck. Uh, and you know, it's so, it's so fascinating Um because obviously Me Too has recently um, revolutionised how we see sexual assault. And of course, the, the Tudors were not a Me Too generation, but they still understood the imbalance of power that I think for such a long time we have denied to ourselves this massive imbalance of power between 
between you know what comes into consent and it's it's fascinating because mary said he did it to her he said he did it to her and the lords around her said he did it you know because in the medieval time if you if you sometimes if you abduct someone it's seen as if a man abducts a woman it's seen as a part of it that she will be assaulted because of the, mm. the, the power dynamic and so everyone around mary accepted that she had been assaulted by him because what could she do is that they accept that there's a even though you're a queen you're, you're dragged off to a, you're in a, someone else's castle and you can't get out and he can do what he wants but it, interestingly it, it's been over the years it's been turned into this romantic drama in which bothwell is this tall dark handsome stranger and that mm. is so interesting I, I think it particularly becomes romanticized around the time of victoria uh, because no one can imagine that someone could do this to a queen but they definitely could in scotland and it was all about power so she marries him she feels she has no choice she thinks she's pregnant and she marries him but the, the, the marriage is so catastrophic the people are angry everyone hates it's the worst wedding banquet in history and then that, that her half-brother moves in and she is finally they have a battle against her and her half-brother she is forced and she is forced they, they take her to the prison in edinburgh and they realize she's too popular for that so they put her in the middle of nowhere in Loch Leven, in, in this what they see as the middle of nowhere um in a lake in the, in, in the tower and there she's forced to abdicate at knife point which is hardly legal but she's forced to yeah and she she does actually escape when the owners of the castle are having an amazing party she does actually escape and then it's at that point she rides 60 miles she's escaped she gets to a stronghold and it's at that point she makes the most crucial decision in her life at that point she could have chosen to go to france where she wasn't going to get her throne back but she would have been protected. she'd have been safe well looked after yeah exactly exactly no power but um but uh, <laughs> a life uh, she could have stayed in scotland i i, I think that by this point, her half-brother, James Stewart, is regent. Um, he wasn't popular. And I think she had a good chance of getting her throne back, maybe only for a couple of months, but she could have got it back. So she could have done that. But instead, this is the moment in which she chooses to go to England and to say to Elizabeth I, please put me, put me back on the throne. And this is really a cataclysmic era. The beginning of the end, isn't it? Um, she doesn't welcome her with open arms at all. No, no, no. Um, Mary expects to get, she arrives, arrives in you know, near the Lake District. Mary expects to get sent, taken to Hampton Court. And there she expects all the Tudor bling to be pulled out for her. The bugles, the, the, all the meat, the meat feast, the bugles, the gold, all that Tudor stuff. Mm. But Elizabeth, that's not what happens. Mary is put into house arrest in Carlisle Castle. And, from, and uh, then she is told there's an inquiry is going to be made into whether or not she killed her husband. And the inquiry is, um, the inquiry is, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's disastrous, really. It's, it's a fix. They, they write to the Scottish government and say, can we have some, some evidence that Mary killed her husband? And they get back this long letter saying, Mary did it. And Sussex says, look, this isn't good enough, guys. You've got to get something better than just writing the letter. We need more evidence. We need something. And so they find, um, they amazingly managed to find some letters from Mary saying, I did it in a silver basket under someone's bed in Edinburgh. A magical. magical. Yeah. Imagine. How convenient. Uh, but it is 
it's amazing how you find these things, isn't it? And um, it's amazing what you find under your bed in a silver bowl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my god, I just realised. And these letters um, are Mary isn't allowed to see them because if she had, she could prove that the dates were wrong. She's writing to she's writing to Darnley when she wasn't even writing to him because he was actually with her in Edinburgh. So the dates are wrong. She's not given them because she's so. How can that even be a trial when the the defense your defense is not given the evidence against you? Mm. And that's because it's not really a, a trial or an inquiry. What they want is a suspended verdict because if she was found guilty of killing her husband, Elizabeth would have to deal with her, which she doesn't want to do. If she's found innocent, Elizabeth has to let her go free. And this is she's seen as the enemy. Um, Elizabeth's men advisors are convinced that if Mary is at large in Scotland she will create a huge Catholic rebellion against Elizabeth. And Mary doesn't want Elizabeth's throne. She wants her throne. She, doesn't, she wants to be best friends with Elizabeth. But that, that naivety, I think, means that these, these men who are just obsessed with her as public enemy number one really get the power. And from then on, she's, really, she's basically kept under house arrest in England in various castles a long way from the sea, drafty, damp castles for the rest of her life, for the next 20 years. That's insane. I didn't realise she was in captivity that long. And her relationship with Elizabeth is, it's just flat out weird, isn't it? And it's for 20 years. And Mary keeps writing to her. And yeah, initially the captivity is a sort of royal captivity. Mm. She's allowed to have ladies-in-waiting and lots of courses at dinner. And she's not she's allowed to, some, to, to, to sort of, hang out really with her captors and she does make rather the big mistake of of, 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 of when Bess of Hardwick famous Bess of Hardwick when she's doing embroidery with her uh, Mary does write to Elizabeth and say you know what Bess of Hardwick is saying you're not a virgin queen you know, probably no, no. <laughs> <laughs> not pass that one on um uh, and but she she has a mo- more freedom but it's still a limited freedom and then eventually and what you see throughout Elizabeth's reign is as it becomes clearer that Elizabeth is not going to marry Mary gets an, the, the arrest of Mary gets very much more uh, you know stronger so she her, her jailers are saying oh and even a flea couldn't get out because they become when it's obviously clear that you know I think Cecil is just Cecil is just convinced that Elizabeth has, he says, oh, no, she's got plenty of childbearing years left, you know, lots and lots, you know, take us to 50. I mean, I don't know what kind of 16th century IVF he's using, but it's clearly yeah. very <laughs> effective. But in the reality, I think particularly the end of the sort of courtship or conversations with the Duke of Anjou, who was mocked as the French frog, I think he's the last seem to, they, they, after that, there's no chance. And so Mary becomes much more, much more watched. And so this is 20 years. And, and, and I think it's not initially it's not so bad. And that's why she thinks that maybe Elizabeth will speak to her and they'll, they'll, they'll come. They'll, they'll agree it rather than it, her only chance to escape, I think, was very early stages when she was fit and she was young and she hadn't been broken by years of captivity. She could have then was the only, only time that she could possibly have escaped. But by after five ten years it's it's too late mm. uh, so, so so it's a it's it's a miserable life it's completely miserable and uh, she never engages in any plots they watch her very very closely uh, but then they realize that then really i think she becomes desperate and they also realize that they're never they're never going to get any evidence of anything about her because 
she can't she can't write any, she can't you can't she can't write a single letter to anyone she's mm. not she's not allowed to write to her son she can't send her son a birthday present she has a she has a birthday present actually for a little king who's who, who has everything a, a set of golden guns can you imagine how much a little king boy would like that but he yeah can't send them so Aww. so she is she finally gives in to a plot and the Walsingham Elizabeth spymaster has hired a double agent who, so Mary writes these letters agreeing to the plot and she hides them in this amazing way. She makes them really small and then puts them into a cork in a barrel of beer. And she thinks, oh my goodness. And they're also in code. Oh, wow. Oh, how ingenious. And the minute they're out of her room, the cork comes out and it's given to the spy decoder who's actually in the, in the same palace. Um, so Mary... Mary, she's, she's completely exposed. She is imprisoned and, and the conspiracy that she agreed with, these men wrote to her saying, yeah, put you back on the throne and send Elizabeth off the throne and have a big rebellion and Spanish invasion. She agrees to it after 20 years. And yeah, there you go, that's treason. So she is put on trial for treason and found guilty of treason as she obviously should have been but that she at that point yeah she was guilty of treason you could say that she was forced to it in every other way that she had no choice she couldn't escape and she gave in desperation but it was treason and then you know so she's found guilty of treason and then elizabeth's got this problem of what oh it's the utter procrastination isn't yeah. it now what is she going to do because elizabeth has no compunction as we know of chopping off heads of people who she feels are traitors. In fact, a man who decides, Duke of Norfolk, the great aristocrat, is supposed to be overseeing Mary's inquiry in the early days about her marriage, about whether she killed her husband. And he, in fact, falls in love with Mary and decides he wants to marry her. So Elizabeth chops off his head. That's fine. Yeah. You can chop off off as many men's heads as you like. But Elizabeth knows if she chops off a woman's head, she'll be seen uh, as doing an unfeminine act. So she's worried about Doing what was done to her mum as well. Doing what was done to her mum. And, you know, her mum and her stepmother, Catherine Howard, who she was, you know, fond of. And also it was threatened to Catherine Parr. So exactly, you're exactly right, Alex. It's really bringing back the memories of what her father did, chopping off a woman's head. And do you really want to end up like your dad if your dad is Henry VIII? (laughs) Exactly. And and there are these other questions. She, She worries that if she chops off Mary's head, Spain will come in and revenge. They will come in again and revenge, and the Catholics in England will be so angry that they will lose all semblance of loyalty to her. And and she and she also she feels very strongly. This isn't like the Duke of Norfolk. This isn't the Earl of Essex coming into her bedroom and seeing her in a, a nightgown. This is a, a queen. And if you, she has this this really complicated question. If you chop off the head of a queen. A, a sovereign queen who's, if you believe in the divine right of monarchs, which Elizabeth very strongly did, mm. then a queen or a monarch, it, it can only be chopped off by, by God. They are, not, they are not there to be, to be judged by a temporal court. So by chopping off Mary Queen of Scots's head, I think her basic concern is, am I undermining the whole of monarchy? Am I, am I undermining the whole of queenship by, by doing this? Also, what's to stop anyone cutting off her head if they don't like her? That's it. And I think that's what she is vacant. Not only is she thinking, chop off a queen's head and everyone says, oh, you know, queens are rubbish, down with the queens. Uh, And, you know, how how when you're an oppressed group, just one who doesn't do so well is seen as emblematic of the whole. But also, yeah, exactly. How how is this going to stop someone saying, 
well, you're not legitimate queen either. You've made mm. mistakes. Let's chop off your head. So she really doesn't want to. And she tries to get other people. She says, um, would anyone, um, you know, could, could, could she be sort of, mm, goodbye? Could there be a kind of goodbye? Could, could Mary sort of, mm, I don't know, she speak, could the baby fall down the stairs or something like that? Yeah, <laughs> just a neat little accident. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't know, having to pull on the, that kind of thing. But everyone says, no, 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 madam, you have to kill her. And I, I execute her, sign the execution warrant, but do, do the job herself. And I think it's very much that, that a lot of the men around her are very loyal to her. But what they want is an undermining of the divine right of monarchy. They want what we would call a more of a constitutional monarchy. So they don't, they don't like divine rights. So if Elizabeth will undermine it, then that, that is the answer. So, so you have a situation in which Elizabeth doesn't want to do it, but eventually says, oh, okay, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll sign the death warrant. So she signs it. But I think that she thinks she can get it back. And She's still procrastinating even after she signed it, hasn't yeah, she? I think, because there, there are people she puts on death row, she takes off death row, she puts on death row, and I think her hope was she could do that to Mary for the rest of Mary's... She could do that to Mary, and then Mary would die of natural causes, poor thing. Yeah. But in fact, when she signs it, it's, it's, it's seized from her and immediately enacted without her knowing it. So Mary is told very swiftly she, she's having dinner, and she said, you know, she just finished, just, just finished dinner, actually. And she said, and, I say, and, and, and riders come and say, you're going to die tomorrow. Get ready. And, and she said, I need more time. No, no, that's it. You're dying tomorrow. So she's only got this short amount. Mary's in Fothering Hill Castle. Um, and she's, she's, it's ter- she's, she's, she's terrified. Um, she's, and she's got to sort out her estate, sort out everything, write all her letters. She's got no time. And, and yet she can hear she knows that downstairs in the great hall they're building the, the block for her to be executed on and, and you can hear it being hammered as she tries to write these letters so and 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 so, so she has to get ready for this makeshift execution and everything because elizabeth didn't know about the execution everything about it is meant to show is meant to undermine her is meant mm. to try and deprive her of dignity is meant to not execute her in a dignified way, like a queen. So they tell her she can't have her ladies on the, st- on the stage with her, that she will be undressed by the, the men, which is just unthinkable. And actually there were protests in the crowd. Um, and uh, she, she is prayed up the whole time by the Dean of Peterborough. And, but still, despite that, um, she, she goes to the, the block with great dignity. And she, when she takes her dress off, she's wearing this uh, corset and petticoat of bright red, the color of Catholic martyrdom. So it's, even though She's fought, she's executed in, in, the, in any way they try and see dignity from her. She still takes it back herself and she is a great and dignified presence in the execution. Yeah, I think um, Samantha Morton did that really well. I think that must have been the Kate Blanchett one, the middle one, the golden age. Yes, yes. And I think, I think that, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was I mean, it was, and of course, it was done behind so many people's back. They just wanted to get it done swiftly. And they, they had the, the, the executioner was, was really bad. It wasn't like Anne Boleyn's French swordsman. who was super fast. The yeah. was bad and, and she was alone. And the, but the minute they were so terrified of her, that the minute she died, all her belongings were burnt. Um, they, they, they locked up her servants. They didn't want the news to get out. The ports were closed. They didn't want the news to get out to France. So even the ports were closed. I mean, they didn't want relics either, did they? No yeah. one was allowed to grab anything exactly. of her. No, no grabbing of anything of her. And her heart was put in a, a vase and buried under the hill in Fotheringhay. And 
they were terrified of the power of Mary, even though she was dead. It's quite a sweet story, actually, that um, that she wasn't alone on the block because her dog went up. Yeah, it was under the... No one knows the name, though, do they? But it no, was... we don't know the name of the dog, uh, but it was there. So we found... And, you know, I, 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 have, you got, have you got pets? Uh, yeah, I've got... Uh, Alina's got two dogs. I've got a ginger cat sitting here, like Lord of the Manor. Would, what's the ginger cat's name? Bertie. Would Bertie go up to the block with you? Yeah. He would? Yeah, he just never, he never leaves my side. Dogs he, definitely would. Dogs yeah, would go up. He's, he's like a little toddler, actually. He follows me from room to room. He's like a magnet. So, yeah, Bertie I've absolutely had, would. I've had some people say that their cats would never go. Their cats are 20 you know, years. They would just basically say, OK, I'm off. I'm going to go and go to Walsingham now. But I'm glad to hear that Bertie is, is loyal. Bertie would. The other one, Reggie, would not. He, yeah, but, he wouldn't get off the blanket, the comfy blanket. He'd be like, oh, really? Oh, that sucks for you. It's a pet. Oh, it's a pet. But, um, but I think, yes, so, so yeah, Mary's dog was her only friend. And then, yes, her body was really, and she was buried in Peterborough Cathedral. And everything about her was trying to kind of deprive her of power at that point. Mm. Was it, she allowed to write a last letter to her son or anything like that? No, no, she wasn't to her son, but she was allowed to write a last letter to Henry, her, one of her, pretty much her last letter at 2 a.m. in the morning. Um, and she had to get up again to be executed at eight, was uh, to the King of France saying, can you look after my estates and you will find out what's happened to me. So that to me is very moving. I just, because she, she, at that point, she's about to be executed. She thought, there's no point writing to Elizabeth. I spent my whole life writing to Elizabeth and nothing is going to happen. Yeah, oh, it's like because you assume they, or they assume. I know they do because it's still a, it's still around to a certain extent at the beginning of the twentieth century. Like this covenant of kings and queens that there's a certain way you treat each other. Elizabeth was wrecked, wasn't she, when she found out that the execution had gone through? She was devastated. She begged the forgiveness of James of Scotland, Mary's son. She was furious with Cecil, and. She really was very upset about it. And I, I really do think that she honestly thought she could just say, oh, I'm not sure. Let's take she could have, The execution warrant could be signed and then she could literally... But I'll get to it later. Yeah, have Mary on death row for so long. And then Mary, Mary was really in very poor health. I, it, and she, her spirit was broken by all this imprisonment. It's not unlikely that, you know, in another five years, she may not have died of natural causes. So, uh-huh. so, so I, I can see Elizabeth's point. But how yeah. is sorry go on. You go on. how is mary perceived now in modern media and literature i mean there was a car crash of a film historically a car crash of a film year or the year before yeah. i like that you know i like that film i i, I really enjoyed it because i i, I tell you what i thought worked really well about that film was it showed how mary was surrounded by men who wanted her power from the very beginning and yeah these men were trying to seize it from her and it was yeah. shot very nice the art directing was lovely you know, it really fascinated me, actually, because Adrian Lester played Lord Randolph. And you know how it is when you're a historian, what people often say, could you fact check this film? And yeah. I was asked by people saying, oh, it's so anachronistic. You can't have a black man. You can't have Adrian Lester playing this role. And I was just like, why not? There are black people in Tudor England. What is the problem? What is the problem with him? It's a film, not a documentary. Role? And, you know, that... Uh, you, know, you know why can't and it, it was astonishing really and I think that it really brought home to me how you know people people are happy it, they were there was so much outrage about it and they kept wanting me to say it was wrong I said well it wasn't wrong there were black people in Tudor in Tudor England there were lots of them I mean they, Randall probably wasn't a man of color but mm. there are many around and we we never see them in, in lots of um 
you know, lots of period dramas. And it really brought home to me the fact that people are only, that they'll see black people being servants or cooks, but if they have a job as an ambassador, that is just, you know, people don't like that. And I, If you I can have the that. artistic license of the two of them meeting, which we categorically know never happened, then you can have the artistic license of a black man playing someone. That's it. And, and you know, you might argue that there was no such thing as a white Australian at all in the 16th century, but no one complains when they play roles. And, you know, you know so many... So, so, <laughs> So I was really fascinated by it. I did, I did like, I did like the film, and I really thought it showed that she had no power, and it was all seized from her. Um, so, so how is she seen in modern culture? And there was a brilliant play, Mary and Elizabeth, that was on quite recently, in which they swapped the roles. I think, I think she gets a lot of people are quite interested in her in popular culture. But what I guess what I was interested, what I was keen to really show, I think, when I was researching, what, I, what, what in the book and in my research was. Now, how I felt very much that she is judged. People say, oh, well, she's not a good queen because she didn't do it like Elizabeth, but that everything it was against, she actually did everything that Elizabeth did, like listening to her advisors and introducing religious toleration. But England and Scotland were such different places that Mary was condemned and chased and attacked for everything, whereas Elizabeth was, was allowed to be the legitimate queen. And I think I was also... so interested in, in how she's constantly condemned for failures when she was set up to fail and she's seen as a failure and seen as a tragic queen when in terms of queen she, she did everything right it was just the situation around just her. Just everybody trying to get her off the throne. Exactly and I, I do think we forget that it's her blood <laughs> it's her blood that we still have now you know it's her James the first became king and of course what's fascinating isn't it Alex that Elizabeth didn't want to execute Mary because she was afraid of, uh, you know, clearly of what kind of precedent that would set about monarchy. And then what happens? She dies, 1603, James I takes over and he is Mr. Divine Right himself, obsessed with divine right. I mean, you can perhaps see why he was after what happened to his mother. Mm. And then his son, Charles I, exactly gets executed because tried by a temporal court and executed because he said to be not doing the job right. They do cross a certain line, don't they, when they lop his head off. I know that Alexei of Russia was mortified. Peter the Great's father just could not comprehend the barbaric English beheading their king. It's it's an interesting question to me by how much Mary Queen of Scots, it wasn't used as a legal precedent, by how much Mary Queen of Scots' execution made it more possible in the public imagination to execute a sovereign if they weren't seen as doing the job correctly. And Mm. I think there there is a, the execution of Mary Queen of Scots has a huge impact. So I was, you know, I, th- I think she, she, you know, she's really a very striking figure, and especially when we think about women and power and the, the, I think feminist history as well. The, the fact was that in that environment, it didn't matter whether you were a queen or a peasant. You were still, when it came down to it, someone that men could use, exercise your power, their power on you. And apparently, she's very tall, five foot ten, but that didn't seem to stop them. So I, I think she's a, you know, I think, I think she's got this huge purchase on on popular culture and uh, and you know, it's, it's very striking isn't it that James first didn't really mention her I think he realized it wasn't too good an idea but he did disinter her out of Peter Cathedral and put her in Westminster Abbey near Elizabeth where he felt she truly belonged. Kate thanks so much for coming on to talk about the life of Mary Queen of Scots with us because we had Estelle came on to do Elizabeth and oh, I feel like we've leveled the playing field because um, oh, we've had Mary's side as well oh, we've got ever, oh wonderful we've got all, we've got all of the Tudors and yes <laughs> oh. and Tudor women as well all we've done so far on Henry VIII is um 
Anne Boleyn and basically make fun of him. <laughs> so it's all for the women on History Hack with the Tudors. Join us tomorrow when Bethany Hughes will be talking all about the Odyssey. If you've been watching her TV programme, she's so nice, it's impossible not to like her. But I am just a little bit jealous that she basically got to go on a jolly round Greek islands just before COVID hit um, and enjoy the sunshine and talk all about something she loves. But you can't not like her because she's just amazing. Uh, so join us and she'll be talking us through the Odyssey Um don't be scared by classical literature. It's not that scary, but she'll give you a breakdown and an introduction to it, and then you can go off and be jealous too and watch her TV show. Don't forget, you can become a patron of History Hack for as little as a dollar a month. Just go to www.historyhack.podbean.com. It will help us keep going in the aftermath of the coronavirus, and we would really appreciate it, as we would love to do so. There now follows a public service announcement. I'm Horatia Hornblower. And I'm Archie Kennedy. The simplest gift you can give in these troubled times is to obey orders. Indeed. The regulations are very clear in the matter. It is the duty of all of us to remain at anchor until the little people in the talking box signal you otherwise. You don't want to end up getting flogged. Good day to you. Good day to you both.